Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders to kick this one off. Well, I'm going to vent a little bit. <laughs> it's been a rough 24 hours for the Tom's Big Spiders stuff. Not rough. It's something I don't talk about a lot is that there are times when the podcasts and the putting together videos and stuff feels like a second job, which can be good in some ways because it's it's definitely a job I like, but bad in others because, again, I don't do this. This has never been a money-making type endeavor for me. As a matter of fact, I've, I've often said that if it ever turned into that, I would probably abandon it rather quickly because I don't need – I have a job. Let's put it that way. I have a job. This is something I do for fun. It basically allows me to exercise some creativity with putting the videos, especially the videos, putting the videos together, finding the different pieces. I know I'm not a a great video editor by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I improve each time out and try tweaking and doing different things and kind of coming up with that formula that works for me. And but sometimes it's like it's it's like Saturday and I just want to sit on my butt and do nothing, or we have stuff I have to do around the house, or heck, I just want to play some video games or relax. And it's like oh, I got to get a video up because I like keeping that weekly schedule. Now I know before anybody says it, I don't have to keep things to a weekly schedule, and I can always back off. That's fine, but I do like doing them once a week. And ninety percent of the time 90 we'll go 98 percent of the time so 98 times out of 100 I'm excited to put a video together but there's always that those moments where it's like what am I going to do what do I do another rehousing video do I try to do I have so many ideas for bigger videos but just the amount of editing that it's going to take and getting little pieces is just it's not something it's not feasible that I can get them out in a week so what ends up happening is I start them a few weeks go on and I end up abandoning them and forget to come back to them there's one I was doing on old world tarantulas which I will get together one day Billy was very excited about it because I kind of we had some humorous touches but a lot of it was talking about you know old worlds and the unfair stigma they get and I put so many hours into it and barely scratched the surface of it so that's another one I have to get back to anyway a long story short Yesterday, after batting some ideas around, I decided I'd finally tackle the great beginner old world tarantulas or great starter old world tarantulas video that I had planned on doing a long time ago. I believe I did the first, I did the podcast on it, I want to say in 2019, July 2019, so several years ago, and planned on doing the video of it, but couldn't get footage of certain species. Plus, there was one I wanted to include, which was the P. Lugardi that I didn't own, but I definitely wanted to get one, raise them up a little bit, be able to talk about them because that was one that was often recommended by folks. So basically Friday night, I started getting some shots of them. I was having a rough time of it. It was just one of those ones where just everything was conspiring against me. First, the camera ran out of juice and then my lighting wasn't right. And then I was like twice tried to record video and never hit the record button. So I got what I thought were great shots, went to stop the video and realized I had never started. It was just a frustrating evening. So Saturday I sat down, almost abandoned the video with it. by noon. I turned to Billy, I go, I don't think we're gonna have a video for this week. I'm just not feeling it. But I persevered. I went through and started having fun with it, managed to get together what I think is a pretty decent video. I mean, it's not overly long, but I don't think people need an overly long video. And so basically what happens, you load your book, you're with YouTube now, you load your content up. And as it's loading, it does this thing called copyright checks. Never had an issue with copyright checks. Every once in a while, I'll do a feeding video and I'll put some music in the background like we did the heavy metal challenge a while ago. And I knew I was going to, I right off the bat, ding myself and put, this is the video. These are the places like I, I'm using it and expecting them to claim it. It hasn't happened in a while. Every once in a while, what will happen as well is when I do some, what we call it stock footage. It's basically when I go up in the tarantula room, I'm up here by myself, and I want to just get some footage of something out and about to use later or for one of these types of videos where I know I'm just going to be narrating over it so I don't need to be talking. I will get the spiders out, and I will have music playing in the background. And a couple times what happened is I forgot to mute the clips, and even though the music was super quiet in the background, YouTube runs it through a filter that picks it up and says, oh, you use this one. So usually what I end up doing is I pull the video down, I re-edit edit it, mute the clip, put it back up, no issues. Anyway, last night I sit down, I'm excited to get this video up, especially considering that A, I didn't think I was going to have it up until like Sunday evening. B, the fact that I got it done at all was was quite cool. And I sat down and I got copyright dinged. Not one of the ones where they're like, hey, this is going to be a mark against you, but one, hey, you've we've recognized there's a copyright issue here. So I'm like, oh God, I forgot. I had a bunch of clips I used. I'm like, I forgot to mute one of them. My God, I'm going to have to go all the way back and unmute the clip, redo the video. I look at it and it says it's located at seconds one through 14. I'm like, wait a minute, one through 14? That's my theme music. Sure enough, they copyright dinged my theme music. They basically was, again, wasn't a mark against me. It wasn't you get like three checks on YouTube and they can delete you. It was just, hey, we recognize you use this song. 
We've the owner has claimed it and blah, 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 whatever it was. Now, why this bothers me so much is years ago when I decided I was going to get a little more serious about the Tom's Big Spire stuff, I decided we need to have a nice little intro, something to kind of pep people up when they get in. I went on sites that allow you to pay for and license music for your intros. It was specifically for intro music to YouTube for YouTube videos. It was for basically so you could you purchase purchased it, you use it for your video, no copyright dings or anything like that. And I went through my lord, I listened to so many little jingles and tunes and everything and settled on what has been the Tom's Big Spiders theme music for I think since 2018, early 2018. Paid for it, got the licensing, the license for it. I actually have it printed out somewhere, but I saved the emails for it. And therefore, this shouldn't happen. So my first reaction was, all right, we're going to counterclaim. I'm going to say, no way. I did a search to find the thing because I can't find where the printout was. Did a search to find the email. Found the email. It said, you're licensed to use it. You can use it royalty-free on whatever YouTube. Then I realized that a couple, about a year later, apparently this company had either closed down or changed his name to something else. So I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. Maybe they change your name and change, you know, what's covered in the license, whatever. I click on that link. It's a dead link. Apparently what has happened is the place that I originally bought for closed down quite a while ago. It looks like 2019. Some new company has bought the rights to this artist's music and they have basically put the, there's a, a thing you can do where you want to, I believe it's called a content ID where you want to register your music with YouTube for the purpose of if somebody tries to use your music, they can basically take that music, copyright claim it, and put ads on your video. They, they can they can choose to do nothing. They can have the video pulled. But apparently the folks that do this, there are companies that do this. They want that music out there because then what they can do is take and go, all right, yeah, fine. You can use it for your intro music. But what we're going to do is run some ads in select countries on your videos. Now, everybody knows my thought, or I hope everybody knows my thought on ads. I hate ads. I don't want ads. Every time I say this, somebody comes on and goes, oh, but you should do ads. Listen, that doesn't help. It kind of aggravates me at this point because I've explained it a million times. I personally don't want ads. I'm not looking for people to tell me it's okay to have ads. I don't want them. I don't want the money. I don't want ads on myself. I want people to access the information as quickly as possible. If I were to find no way to do my YouTube channel without ads, I would probably walk away from YouTube. It's that much of a serious deal with me. So now I find out after purposely not having ads my entire YouTube career, after finally having to monetize the channel, because what happened is YouTube would say, all right, you don't want to monetize. We're going to go ahead and just start putting ads in your videos. I, I started posting videos about a year ago and all of a sudden ads started showing up on them. And I found out YouTube can just go through and choose to put ads in your videos. The only way to make sure that you didn't have ads was to monetize and turn off all monetization on all the videos, which I've been doing now for several months. And it's been great because I can just go through and make sure no ads ever appear on my videos. After doing this for years, after expressing that that I can't stand ads. Now I found out that last night when I put that video up, it was running ads because the company that owns the right to this song right now or is representing the guy who made the music. And again, I think people, I flat out believe people should be paid for their music. I don't want that to come across that I'm saying this guy shouldn't get paid. It's an awesome song. However, they are able to put ads on my video to collect money off of my video with the theme song that I paid for. So my first reaction was, all right, I'm going to fight this. I have the sheet that I have here. I'm going to submit it, and I'm hopefully they will go and find in my favor. However, here is the conundrum I face. After doing some research, I found out that a lot of people have had this issue where they basically license a song. You have the right to use the song. They're not saying you can't use the song. However, they still, if they do that content ID with YouTube, they still have the right to claim that song and if they'd like, monetize your video to get money from the ads. And from what I've read, there's no way around it. People have fought it and lost because the rights changed. Apparently, you know, this is 2018, it's 2000, end of 2021 now. A brand new company has it. Apparently, there are, what probably happened is this guy was making music, used this crappy company. The company disappeared, went to another crappy company. Now he's found a decent company. A lot of his songs are out there. They're probably reaping some serious benefits because any of those videos that, that 
click off that, you know, when they go through the search to check and see if there's any copyright issues, any of those videos, it sets off that bell and they're like, hey, no problem. You can keep that up there, but we're going to collect some money from it. And the problem is that is so dead set against what I want to do. The thought of my work being interrupted by videos drives me nuts. The thought of, I mean, I wouldn't do it for myself to keep the money myself. I especially don't want somebody else doing it. And the more, again, I searched for examples of my situation where people had paid a licensing fee through one of these companies that put out the, you know, hey, find a jingle. And in all of the cases, it looks like when they tried to dispute it, they lost. Now, here's the deal. I dispute it and win. Awesome. I get to continue to use my theme song. I dispute it and lose. What happens is when I dispute it, it sends a message to the company that owns the rights of this. Now, right now, this is probably automated. They're probably got so many things out there. They're not checking personally. They're not going over to my channel going, oh, how did the guy use this? They're just, all right, we'll just collect our money. If I basically submit a counterclaim, I'm going to exacerbate things. And I'm worrying what will happen is if I lose, now they have three years worth of videos that they can go through, activate that monetization on. All of my work for the last three years will have ads. I would walk away. I'd probably delete the channel. I know there's people out there like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is so frustrating to me because I've worked very hard on this, but I've chosen not to make money off of it. And the thought that somebody else would be able to make money off of it really kills me. So it was tough getting here. You know, even I'll add the theme music to this one. The good thing is I'll probably keep it for at least for the time being for the podcast because Again, I paid for it. There's no way for them to put ads on my podcast. I've had people ask me to sponsor my podcast. Hey, just run a little ad. We'll pay you this much. I don't want anything to do with that. It's my personal personal issue. I'll probably keep it here for the time being. But the moral of the story is it looks like I will be looking for a new theme song, which stinks. It sucks. I mean, for lack of a better term, I love that song. It's become a running joke around the household. People will, you know, even my kids at school will find the the YouTube channel while we're sitting there. A lot of them are using Chromebooks and all of a sudden they'll hear the theme. It's just, it's become a huge part of the channel. I mean, I'm not by any means a superstar. I don't want it to be heard like that, but I think people that are familiar with Tom's Big Spiders, they hear that theme, they know what they're going to get and it's become synonymous with the content and hopefully the quality of content on the channel. Now I don't want to use it anymore. I don't want to sit there. I don't want to claim, put a counterclaim on this and have it blow up in my face and end up all my videos getting ads on them at the same time. I really don't want to lose a song. So it looks like what I'll probably be doing, and I, I don't know how to go about this. And with the holidays, it's it's going to be a little tougher, but it looks like I'll be on the hunt for somebody to do a new theme song for Tom's Big Spiders. And maybe I'll open up. I was talking to Billy about it like, I don't, I, I know some friends are in bands. And I'm thinking that I may ask if they want to do something for it. I just want to make sure whatever comes of this, it's going to be good and that I'm going to have it for the rest of my life and not have to worry about doing this again because it really sucks. I was actually working on a new intro the other day for a new intro video intro for the videos and it's all based on that song and now I got to do something else. So I'm thinking what I'll do, maybe we'll, I, I don't want to do a contest. I really don't want to do a contest because I feel like there's going to be a lot of great stuff out there. I don't want people getting hurt feelings. I can't think of a good way for people to vote that somebody can't break the system and just have all their friends vote for it. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. If I did it, it would probably be through the vote thing on YouTube that would allow people to vote for the new thing. I don't know what I would do for a prize for. Obviously, you know, maybe be on the podcast. I'd be able to cough up some money, obviously. I don't I don't know. We could work something out. It's just, it's obvious now that it's, we're not going to continue ahead with the theme music anymore because I'm not going to have somebody monetizing a channel that I refuse to monetize. It just completely kills me. So sorry for listening to this long vent. And I feel even worse because it's podcast folks. It doesn't impact you. It won't impact you for a while. Although I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we end up working something out and I get a new theme song. Eventually I will stop using it right now. I'd use it for the podcast just kind of as a middle finger to the new company that's doing this. Like I'm so upset over it and kind of like, well, you can't touch this. So I'm going to run it here. But obviously the idea in the future would be to completely, I, I don't want to say I'd rebrand. I'm not going to rebrand, but it might be a good point if we get a new theme song, do a new intro, maybe change things up a little bit, maybe change the little the little avatars I put up for the podcast. Just kind of, you know, it's, it's going to be a new year. We've been doing this for a while. I guess it's a good time, as good a time as any to tweak things out a little bit and put a new fresh coat of paint on Tom's Big Spiders. Same content, same me yammering on about spiders, but... So if anybody out there is musically inclined, you know, give some thought to this. I don't know. We'll figure something out. It would be, it would be great to have a new one that what I loved about the other one, 
honestly, is the fact that it, it was, it's not usually my type of music, but I like the way it crescendoed. I like the way that you, it fit the little, the hard beats on it fit with when you were trying to edit a, an intro for it. You can make those little hard beats be spots with a spider strike. It just, it was so much good about it. And plus it's just been the Tom's big spiders theme for so long. And although I'm obviously a huge metal fan, metal tends to turn people off. I, my buddy Danny Damon from Prognosis allowed me, uh, told me at one point I could use their songs. And I did use one of them for the ent- intro to this, but I love Prognosis. I would kill to do that. I love metal, but I, I need something that isn't so metal. I don't know. This just stinks. It's me just kind of going on. This is what happens when I have to do a podcast after I'm still upset and still, you know, ruminating over an issue. You guys have to sit there and listen to me. So I apologize in advance. I'm probably going to have to put something in here to tell people where the actual podcast starts because there's a lot of me just whining. So let's move off of this. Uh, Thanks for listening. I do feel better. We'll figure something out hopefully by next week when I have to post a video up or I'm just going to get out my kid's recorder, which I jokingly refer to as the instrument of Satan because the sound that comes out of recorders is just unholy and I'll put together a little recorder jingle as a joke and put it on there and try to explain it. I don't know. We'll figure something out. So anyway, moving on to our topic today, our main topic, which is going to be one of the ones that irritates people because I'm going to say this is the main topic and folks are going to pop on and listen to 15 or 16 minutes of me ranting about the theme song. But our topic today is lists or beginner, intermediate, whatever lists telling people which spiders they should buy at which time. I just posted up my video, which I talked about earlier, which was my five great beginner or starter old world tarantulas. Again, we're not saying beginner species old worlds. We're saying beginner old worlds for folks who are moving, making that transition from keeping new world to old world. And as every time I do one of these lists, I know it's coming. It's And I have to admit, to be completely honest, it's not as bad as it could be, but it's always coming. There are folks that loathe lists like these. Absolutely loathe them. I found that out where I actually did a podcast back in March of 2018, which was beginner tarantula list beneficial or misleading in which I tried to tackle the whole beginner list. We just focused on the beginner list situation where some folks love beginner lists. Some folks loathe beginner lists. They hate them. And we tried to break down the arguments for both. Now, before we get too into this, I will say flat out, I do appreciate both sides of it. But as in the case with the beginner list, I do think there is a, 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 I don't want to say a clear winner or loser in the argument, but I do think that one of them definitely stands out above the other as far as being more supportable. But let's, you know, here's the deal. I did this the top five beginner, I knew I was going to get some flack on it. And part of the issue is that there are folks out there that jump into the hobby and spiders are spiders to them. They don't see the new world. They don't see the old world. They see a blue spider that they want to keep. They get said spider. And here's how it works. And these are the people that usually I hear from about how these lists are stupid because they take it like you're telling them they did something wrong. They go out, they see something called a Pislotheria metallica. Actually, they probably just called it Goody Ornamental Spider. And they go, this is beautiful. I need to own this. And they don't do a lot of research or they do research and they hear that this spider can have potent venom. It can be fast. They don't care. They they think they are ready for it or they know they are ready for it. Let me not you know get lost in the topic here. Some of them are ready for it. They pick up the spider. They keep it. They read all these. In some cases, they didn't read anything on it. They find out later and they're like, really? What's the big deal? I had no problem with it. In other cases, they read about how nasty they were supposed to be, how venomous, how defensive, how aggressive. We'll use that word. And they keep the spider and like, really? It's not that bad. It kind of flattens out when you disturb it. It would rather run than fight. When I did the rehousing, it just kind of stayed on the cork bark. I moved in. Now they see some bozo go out and put out a list of the best beginner species or best beginner old world species. And Either they expect this spider to be on the list because, hey, they had a good time with it. It was easy. They jumped right in as a beginner with it. Or they sit there and go, why would you start? Why would you have to start with these five species when there are so many other spiders out there that you could start with? And they get frustrated and they get angry and they leave comments that are frustrated and angry like your list is trash. Why would anybody not just jump in whatever they want? Or the ones when they said everyone should just pick up any tarantula they want. They just need to do the research to make sure they're prepared for it. That's the one I get a lot when people come on. And it, it's like this pops up also when I put up something about an old world species. And I will often put on the end, this is not a beginner species. And somebody will come on and go, yeah, it, any species can be a beginner species. Or somebody will come on and go, man, I'm not yet ready for that. And the person, somebody will respond to them. You're ready at any time. Don't cheat yourself out of it. Stop being a wussy. Go out there and grab one. So it's rife with the folks that think that anybody can just jump right in the deep end. And unfortunately, 
that's not the case. Now, let's cover the fact that, you know, the research aspect aspect of it. In a perfect world, we wouldn't, we might not need lists like these because everybody who picked up a spider will have done hours of research before even plunking down the first dollar to buy it. And by that, I mean, not just, hey, look it, here's a care guide on Gramostola pulchra. I will use this and go out and buy a Gramostola pulchra and I'm all set. I'm talking about research on tarantulas in general, being able to read about the fact that, hey, there are old worlds and new worlds. The new worlds can kick hair. Old worlds can be more defensive and have the venom. Reading about how to set them up the proper care, the basic setups, reading everything you can find out before I ever picked up my first slings. Now, mind you, I had the queen for quite some time, but she was bulletproof. I had some stuff that I'd read when I, you know, I think one of them was like a Petco guide or something. Yeah, really bad old tarantula books. I did some research, but it wasn't the same back then. Internet wasn't what it is now. That's my excuse for it. But once I started getting really into the hobby, doing the research, I spent months researching everything about them. I'm not talking, when I say research, I don't mean go out and go, here's a piece of Letharia Metallica. Let me watch a couple of YouTube videos. Okay, now I know what I'm getting into. No, I'm talking about research about tarantulas in general, all the different little, you can learn so much by listening to me, watching videos, listening to people talk about, going on the forums, going on the Facebook groups, talking to keepers. There's so much information that you could get ahead of time that can help you ease into the hobby with minimal stress. Just like, for example, the burrowing thing. I've used the burrowing example many times before that I had read so much about tarantulas, especially slings burrowing and sealing themselves off. And yet when I got my first LP, it ate a bunch and then it burrowed, I freaked out. Now, what kept me from contacting anybody, emailing them and asking them, what should I do? Or what kept me from trying to dig up the spider? It was the fact that I knew deep down inside, I'd already researched this. I'd been prepared for it. I knew what was gonna happen. So I laid back, sure enough, Month goes by, thing pops out, drops out its old exoskeleton, ready to eat, good, we're ready to go. Unfortunately, a lot of people, A, don't do research. They don't like doing research. They think research is like, and I go through this with my kids at school. We're doing research, trying to teach them how to evaluate the sources that you're pulling information from. Sometimes the most popular thing, you know, the thing that comes up on Google is the most popular thing. And sometimes the most popular thing isn't the correct thing. So teaching people how to do that, a lot of people don't do that. They're, they either don't do the research or they're a little lazy with it. They're like, oh, here's a gear guide. Good enough. I went on, you know, the super tarantula website and found this thing. We're all good to go. That's not how it works. And as I alluded to just a second ago, some folks don't know how to do proper research. They think that if you pick up your cell phone and Google how to keep Pizzolatheria Metallica, we'll put that one up there. I don't know what comes up for this. I didn't search up beforehand. They don't know that the first thing that comes up may not be the best thing. It could be mine. Who knows? That may not be the best thing. People that pop on my website, I always encourage them, go research other people. Mike's Basic Tarantula is another great one that you get information from. There are other sources out there to compare to. Go up, look up where they come from in the wild, where they live naturally. Do that, you know, find that information. Start to come up with how not only how the tarantulas react and how they behave and how they need to be kept, but just about tarantulas in general. Most folks don't do that. And I've been doing this a very long time. And I always, I hope it doesn't come across. It's not meant in a cocky way. It's meant as just, it's reality. I talk to a lot of brand new keepers every day, every week. And I have been for years. And so I know what they come in with. I know that you occasionally you have the ones and I love these. They go, hey, I just want to let you know, I've been researching for three months now. I haven't bought my first tarantula yet. I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. Some people would make fun of that. I applaud it. That's amazing. That's somebody who's doing their due diligence looking up what they need to do, making sure they know as much about not just the species they want, not just that individual tarantula they want, but about tarantulas in general before they make the plunge. That is amazing. It drives me nuts because every once in a while, somebody will chime in on one of my videos and go, hey, I've been researching tarantulas for three months now. I've been watching a lot of your videos and this person's videos and reading these articles and doing this. And somebody will come on and go, stop wasting your time. Just pick up a spider already. No, no, don't do that. Just waste your time. Quote, I'm putting air quotes here. Nobody can see them, obviously. Do your research. But unfortunately, that from what I've seen just in the years of talking people, I would say one in, uh, geez, this is a tough one, one in 20 do adequate research ahead of time. Then you have maybe out of that 20, a handful of them will have checked out a couple sites and ready to jump in. Like the majority of folks come to you, I have this spider, what do I do with it? I have this spider. I did a lot of research. I kind of have this in air quotes in my mind. However, I have no idea how to keep this animal. Somebody sent me photos the other day 
of a pet store rescue avicularia avicularia that was set up like a terrestrial because that's what the pet store had hey tom i love your channel love your podcast uh, i listen to everything you did can you check out this and see if it looks okay to you um i did some research but i'm not sure it's set up correctly and then i see the photos and i don't want to make fun of if you're out there i'm sorry i'm not in any way shape or form making fun of you but it does kind of expose that maybe you didn't listen to all my stuff because i have videos out there on that but it happens i get it and that's why i just put a smile on my face the the idea is to make sure you're up to speed as quickly as possible and that the spider gets the care it needs so it's not an indictment of these people but it happens all the time so for folks that say the lists are useless because you just need to do your research i cry bs because a lot of folks don't do enough research also I've talked, I've spoken in the past about the fact that the big, the thing that's going to cause issue, the one event with tarantula keeping that's an integral part of tarantula keeping is the rehousings. The rehousings are a huge part of it, and that's where everybody freaks the heck out. That's why Tom Moran does so many rehousing videos all the time, why I'm constantly showing off different species, because what happens is people will go out there and they'll search for rehousing of, I don't know, Formictibus cancerides, and they'll see a bunch of videos with spiders that are kept in two small containers that are being you know antagonized, and they're ripped, and they're throwing threat postures, they're freaking out, which is good to know what they're capable of. Do not get me wrong. It's excellent for somebody to go in and know what the worst case scenario can be but then I do a video and we cut the thing we put it in it takes like a minute and people feel a little more calm a little more confident in attempting this rehouse because they see that it can go well and I think that's important to have those positive examples when we say get experience yes the only way to get experience rehousing spiders flat out is by rehousing spiders flat out I'm not even gonna argue that however the best way to get experience rehousing old worlds is to start with something that's a little more forgiving. And I will stand by that comment. That's not to say, and I know there's gonna be folks listening. I had no BT. It went nuts. I rehouse that. No problem. That's great. That's you. The majority of folks that I speak to, those beginners are not going to deal with that very well. If their first spider they go to rehouse is the meaning, potentially mean and nasty OBT and it goes berserk on them. That's not going to work out well. I think the best way for folks to really get their sea legs as far as the hobby is concerned is to work with some easier, more forgiving spiders, slower species. Now, obviously new world species can boogie if motivated, but it's nothing like most of the, the old worlds out there. And can a new world species bite you? Yes, it can. But again, what, what would you rather be bitten by? Would you rather be bitten by your agitated B. smithy? Or would you rather be bitten by your Pisolotheria regalis? I'll give you a hint. If you're saying regalis, there's something wrong with you. It would be your smithy. So that's why we get those things down. And there are some basic techniques that you can practice, even though it's... And, and if you look at my videos... And this is why I always point to people when they argue against it. If you look at my videos, I rehouse the old worlds and new worlds the exact same way and usually get the exact same response. In fact, if you watch my videos, the ones where the spiders are least cooperative are usually the new world species. The old worlds tend to, they hunker down, they hide, you cup them, you get them a new enclosure, they walk out, there's no problem. The new worlds are the ones I tend to have a little bit of an issue with. So when you look at that, it makes all the sense in the world that somebody that's just getting into the hobby should start, and this is not everybody, but a lot of them should start with some of those more forgiving new world species, get the hang of it, work up to it, get the feel for it. I will tell you, it took me years before I felt comfortable rehousing. It took at least a year before there wasn't some bit of fear there because I was still scared of spiders. And I had folks go, well, how does that work? You're not supposed to be scared of them. I'm, I think I did a good job holding my fear back. And that was part of me getting over the fear was recognizing the more I work with them, the easier it got, the more I started to appreciate how they move, where they move, what they do, what their different you know postures look like. That takes time. So I do think that for many people, it behooves them to start with easier species. And that is usually new world species. Now, the other argument that comes up when you talk about lists, whether it be beginner, whether it be intermediate. Intermediate is the one I struggled with, and I covered this when I did my list of intermediate spiders. Again, it, it comes down to the fact that many of the spiders on the intermediate list, depending on temperament, could easily be considered beginners or could be considered advanced if there's such a thing. So, Or we talk about the, for example, one of the ones I had on my intermediate list was the C. pubicens or the GBB. I had that on also my beginner list and my intermediate list. Why? Because it honestly depends on the person. For some folks, it's a good beginner because they're very hardy. They're easy to keep. They don't need to have any moisture requirements. They grow rather quickly. They eat great. And that makes them very attractive. However, do you want to know the one spider that I get told more often than not that people are afraid of or that they react about their, you know, they email me to talk about how amazingly fast they are? 
It's the GBB. So although some people pick them up as beginners and do well with them, other people end up freaked out by the fact that they are quote unquote fast spiders. And we put the quotes up there again, a lot of air quotes today, because those of us who have kept faster spiders know the GBBs really aren't that fast in the grand scheme of things. But it's a matter of perspective. So it's tough sometimes when you do these lists, where do they land? I've put the LP in beginner species list. I put the LP in the intermediate species list. Why? Well, because for some people, they are incredibly hardy spiders. For some people, they grow very quickly. Again, all the reasons with the GBB, why it would make a good beginner species. Some people have very laid back ones. I have one big girl that is actually very, very laid back, easy spider to keep up there with some of my Grammys and Brachypelma species, Afonopelma species. However, other folks have more high-strung ones, and suddenly you grow the spider up. Maybe it grows super quickly, so you don't get to grow with the spider as well as you might have with a slower-growing species. And by growing with the spider, we mean you pick up a sling, and by the time your sling gets to the point where it could give you trouble, you've already kept so many other spiders, spiders it doesn't matter anymore. It happens with a lot of us. With an LP, it can grow quick. If you end up with one of those nasty LPs, you could have a big, scary spider on your hand. They kick hairs, and the hairs are nasty. You'd have to deal with them. So that's where it sometimes falls into the intermediate section. Is there a clear-cut place it goes? No, and that's where folks that don't like the list jump on them, and that's where they have a legitimate argument. Who's to say what ends up where? I just did the list of the best beginners, and I even put it at the end because I knew it was coming. What species is all, people always do this. What's your best beginner old-world species? There are going to be several people that say the OBT, the P. murinus. I've also had folks come on where I've done pokey videos because I've personally found the pokies to be rather predictable and laid back. Does that mean they don't have the potential to bolt? Does that mean they don't have the potential to be defensive? Does that mean they don't have the potential to lay a hurting on you if they get spooked? Absolutely not. And again, we talk about one of the reasons they're demonized is that potential for them to be nasty. But I found with keeping, I think I got to add it up. I believe it's, it's 13 or 14 species of Pisolotheria that I've raised up from slings zero problems with them it, with the rehousings they're one of the ones you get a little you feel a little bit of uh, anxiety when you get just because like for the in the case of my piece of Letheria rufalata it's such a big spider so it's hard getting that thing cupped especially if it spreads out somewhere but besides that they're usually pretty predictable why don't I put them on? And this is the question I got from people. Why didn't you put Pisolotheria on your best beginner old worlds? They're predictable. They're laid back. They'd rather hunker down and hide and use their camouflage than throw up threat postures like a lot of the baboon species, like the Kilobrachi species. Well, it comes down to the fact that A, the potential is still there. And somebody that is not used, somebody that's making this transition, that's a whole lot of spider if things should go wrong. There are other spiders that'd be easier to contain and work with if something should go wrong, especially the ones I included on the list. So that's part of it. The other part of it is the fact that they are so demonized that I can't tell you how many people I know that think they're ready for pokies, and they probably are, don't get me wrong, but they're ready for pokies, they get a pokey, and then the thing hits three inches, they have to rehouse it, and they are in panic mode. They will tell me, I've been having nightmares about it, I'm freaked out about it, I'm worried it's going to go wrong. That fear there that you might not have with, say, a Harpactra pulchropes or a P. Lugardi or the E. Pachypus, one of my favorites, probably shouldn't be on the list because they're so hard to find, but I, if somebody breeds them, I'm hoping everybody grabs them. Anyway, those are species that the thing gets and throws you a little threat posture. It's like, oh, look, yeah, a little threat posture, put the cup over it. Pokey goes nuts, it's bolting around, and then you try to stop it because you're afraid it's going to get out to your house. Next thing you know it, you're getting bit. That fear can create a dangerous situation with rehousing. And you usually, unfortunately, with the more infamous spiders, like the whether they deserve it or not, P. murinus, and any Pisolotheria species, there is always in the back of the mind that fear. They're legendary because of what's been said about them, what they're capable of doing. Flat out, when I got my P. Vitata, I thought I was ready for it. We put it in an 8x8x12 Exoterra. It eventually outgrew the Exoterra. It was time to rehouse it. I was scared. I'm not saying I was nervous. I'm not going to say like I was a little, there was some anxiety. I was like, there was fear. I was afraid I was going to screw up. This thing was going to get out of my house. I was afraid I was going to do something and get bit. It realized at that very moment that maybe I wasn't as ready for the species or this, uh, this particular spider as I thought I was. And at that time, we had my son, who is now uh, almost 27. He was helping me rehouse it, and we treated that thing like it was a radioactive monster. And it was sad because it was, it, it was actually an incredibly easy rehouse overall. I did learn a lot from it. 
But that fear could have caused me to screw up. That fear, that spider goes, that fear, especially the fear of it getting out and me having to tell Billy, hey, by the way, you know the pokey I was ready for? It's somewhere here with the dogs. She would have killed me. So there was a fear there that could have made me react in ways that could have been detrimental to the rehouse. For example, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people go, the spider starts to bolt instead of taking a step back, letting it bolt. Eventually, they got that spider speed where their book lungs can't keep up. They calm down and then cupping it. They freak out. They try to throw a catch cup in it. They pin a leg. The spider threat poses. It turns into a nightmare. That could have been a disaster. So I do think with some of those ones that, yes, could you have, are there people out there to start with OBTs? I would go and say there are probably thousands of folks out there that have started their first spider was an OBT. And I would say a lot of them do quite well with it. And that's great. And that's one of the reasons why lists aren't that accurate, where the people who argue against the list have a legitimate argument. For many people, they're ridiculous. We talk about folks in Australia all the time. They have to keep local species, and guess what? All their local species are considered to be fast, defensive, old-world tarantulas. They don't have the luxury of starting with an Afonapelma calcotis. They don't have the luxury of starting with a Brachypelma hemorii. They have to start with those old worlds, and guess what? They do quite well with them. So people will point to that fact and go, wait a minute, we're wusses over here. Why do we need to start? Why do we need to have a ladder system? Why do we need to have beginner, intermediate, advanced, super advanced, whatever? That makes no sense. Grab the spider you want, do your research, and keep it. And honestly, there are a lot of people that do that. They jump right in the deep end. They grab these things. They do fine with them. Next thing you know it, 10 years down the road, they have a bunch of old worlds and new worlds. They've never had a single issue. That's not everybody, though. And I think that's an important consideration to make. I feel bad because sometimes I put up these videos. It's already happened. People have come on and go, oh, man, well, mine first was an OBT. They feel like they need to explain themselves to me. You don't need to explain myself to me. If you picked up an OBT as your first tarantula and it's years down the road and you've done well and have the tarantulas, you have no explaining to do. You were ready. That's what comes down to. There's no argument. I'm not saying you shouldn't have picked it up. You were obviously ready. I've alluded to the fact before that I started on Old Worlds rather quickly. I kind of had my own altered ladder system. I did my research. I worked with the, I think I worked with the ones I had, saw how they moved, kind of moved through the ranks very quickly, just alluded to the fact that maybe that first pokey I wasn't ready for, but it worked out, ended up with a lot more pokies. It depends on the individual. And I think that's why both sides' arguments have, they're valid, but where the one breaks down, the one of the arguments I think really breaks down is the fact that I'm not telling, when I do one of these lists, and let's make this very clear, if I do a beginner species list, if I do an intermediate species list, if I do an advanced beginner species list, if I do beginner old world list, if you're somebody that jumped right in and were able to keep these guys with no problem, I'm not talking to you. This list is not, you're not my target audience. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to make you feel badly about it. I'm not trying to say you were irresponsible. Not at all. I don't care. If anybody looks at the comments, I have conversations with people all the time. Like, I got this one. Yeah, no, no problem. Cool. Awesome. Glad it went well. You know, I'm not I'm judging. There's no judgment whatsoever. If you came to me and said, yeah, and I do get this quite a lot too. I have folks that come to me and go, yeah, I started my first with an OBT. It was a terrible idea. Somebody just told me they started with a Pima Metallica, saw a P Metallica, saw a pet store, picked it up, and their first rehousing the thing got out. It was a nightmare. They didn't even want to open the enclosure again. You weren't ready. You could have used the list. It depends on the person. And I think that's why it's not a cut and dry, again, black and white issue, because it all depends on the individual. If you're the type that doesn't need the list, you don't need the list. That's cool. However, let's keep in mind there are many folks out there that do need the list. There are folks out here because this isn't, let's let's call it as it is. This isn't like getting breeds of dogs where you go out, you know, you basically know, at least I hope you know, and the thought process is any dog you get and bring into your home, you adopt, buy, whatever it may be, you're expecting that dog to be friendly and love humans. Guess what? It's different with spiders. They're not friendly. They're not cuddly. They're not, they haven't been bred over hundreds of thousands of years to love humans and respect humans and kind of work with humans in a way that no animal does, they're wild animals. So unfortunately, going out where you can go out and just pick up a dog and then go, oh, well, you know, I picked up a pit bull. So they're lazy. They can be headstrong. They need exercise, but they like to cuddle. Like, it's not something you pick up and you realize, all right, your dog regardless shouldn't bite you. It's going to be doing, you're going to be doing research on it, recognizing if it's a hunting dog or a working dog, it's going to need exercise. It's going to need tasks to keep it happy. That's stuff you can easily adjust with on the fly. Tarantula is not the same. It's not the same thing. You pick up a tarantula, you could pick up one tarantula and have this adorable little thing you could easily hold that, you know, if, if it does bite you, it's going to be a bee sting. On the other hand, you could pick up something that if it gets, you know, jacked up, it's going to be spitting around your room. And if you try to grab it, it's going to bite you and put you in the hospital. That's a big difference. So, 
I think for some people, they need that assurance. They need that scaffolding. There you go for teachers out there. Let's see if you recognize that term where you kind of scaffold it with them. You go, all right, here you go. And that's where the ladder system comes into play. That's where these lists come into play. Some folks are not ready to jump in immediately with old worlds. I don't care. The, I drives me nuts. People say it all the time. Oh, just jump right in. Some folks aren't ready. They aren't mentally ready. They don't have the background knowledge for it. It's just, you can't make them ready by saying, hey, just pick up anything. And I think that's where the folks that are against the list kind of get hung up because they're like, I did it. Why can't anybody else do it? Well, guess what? People are all individuals. Everybody has different skill sets. Everybody has different background knowledge. Everybody has different things they're afraid of that give them anxiety. You can't just say, because I did it, everybody else can do it. There are many people out there that need this kind of assurance, that need, again, the scaffolding. They need to be able to go up that ladder a little bit at a time and feel confident. Confidence is huge in this hobby. Folks that come right in, jump in with old worlds, a lot of times come in with that confidence already. I can tell you right now, if I had picked up an old world from the start, I would not have the level of confidence I would need to properly deal with, rehouse, and work with these animals. Flat out, this is me. I've been doing this how many years? It's Tom's Big Spider saying, flat out, I could not have jumped right in. I needed, now granted, I went through quickly because I know my limits. I'm good at recognizing, all right, I can go a little faster here. I can pick this up now. But I could not have just jumped in with an old world. The, the stress of it would have killed me. I would have been one of those ones that would have made a mistake because I was so scared of them. I think I talked about in an earlier podcast once how when I got my LP sling and opened it up, it came out, it kind of bolted out and almost went on my finger and I almost dropped the thing. It scared the crap out of me. I was still not over my fear of tarantulas. So for me to jump in and start working with old worlds with not only being scared of spiders in general, but with the added threat of knowing what old worlds could supposedly do to me if they got me, that would have been a nightmare. So let's stop with the all or nothing. If you don't like the lists, if you think the lists are stupid, ignore them. It's They're not for you. Again, you're not a target audience. You're not my target audience. You're not whoever's doing these lists, target audience. If you're the type that jumped right in with old worlds, awesome. I am not, A, not discounting that. B, I'm not going to admonish you for it. Good for you. You obviously did well with it. I get it. I've been there. I know a lot of people that have been there. I've talked about folks that I've, ta- that I've spoken with that started with Old world species, they did fine. I didn't disown them as friends. I didn't say, I can't talk to you anymore because you jumped the gun. We're still talking. We're comparing notes. It's fine. It's You need to move at your own pace in this hobby. I think if anything anybody takes away from this, it should be the fact that everybody moves at a different pace. If you see somebody that says, hey, I'm not ready for old worlds yet, guess what? They're not ready for old worlds yet. Because even if you think they have all the skills, they've. You, I've seen people that, I've been keeping new worlds for years, in their mind, mentally, they're afraid to make that jump. There is fear there. It means that that is still something that bothers them. People will be ready when they're ready. I think that's why I joke around a lot that people come up, hey, am I ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for it. Are you ready for it? I can't tell you that. You need to know internally. If you're going to have nightmares about a rehousing, you're not ready for it. If you're about to rehouse your little juvenile OBT and you're sweating, your hands are shaking, you feel like you're going to pass out, probably not ready for it yet. That's something that's too much. That's fear. That's going to cause mistakes. So I think... If any message comes from this one, again, I'm not trying to convince folks to like lists. And, and for lists, I'm talking about the beginner all. I'm not talking about the other types, of, like the million different types of lists people can do with spiders. Obviously, this is essentially about the beginner's intermediate, you know, leveling your spiders, we'll call it. You know, the you have an orange belt, so you can now move on and keep C. cyanopubicins, or you can keep A. formictibus cancerides. I'm talking about that kind of stuff. Is it okay for folks that jump right in and are ready for it and that do well with them? Yep, absolutely. I've never criticized anybody for that ever. I mean, would I criticize somebody that jumps in that gets, you know, a little ahead of themselves, jumps in, has no experience with exotics, picks up, you know, I want a C. lividus, so I'm going to get a C. lividus, and then they end up with a spider they're scared of? Well, would I criticize them? No. The teacher and me would look at it and go, hmm, could have told you that. But I would try to help them be more comfortable with their spider. I have helped people before that picked up stuff they weren't ready for and try to give them some tips and trips, give them uh, trips, yeah, tips and tricks, pointed out to some videos where I'm rehousing them, some things they can do to kind of ensure that things go better next time, give them that confidence. And sometimes it works and it's great. And they're like, hey, thank you so much. I feel better with it now. I see where I screwed up. I probably wasn't ready for it, but hey, we're going to forge ahead. That's awesome. I'm not going to criticize them for them. 
Am I going to criticize people that come on a video where somebody says, hey, I just got my first, you know, new world and I can't wait to someday keep old worlds. And they say a comment like, stop being a wuss, just go get old worlds. Yes, I'm going to criticize them. Mind your business. It's not for you to say if that person's not ready, that person's not ready. A kinder, more constructive thing to say would be something along the lines of, yeah, I used to feel the same way. And I got into old worlds and realized they're actually not that bad. So when you're ready for them, when you're ready to take the plunge, recognize they're not nearly as bad as people make them out to be. Or, hey, I know that you've been keeping new worlds for a while. You've got some species there. You're keeping, I don't know, a lot of people will say, yeah, I keep Salmapias. I'm not ready for old worlds. Being able to tell a person, hey, just to give you a heads up, if you're keeping Salmapias and you're rehousing adults, you're probably ready for old worlds because most of them aren't as bad as Salmapias or Tapakinias. That's a constructive comment. But making fun of somebody, telling somebody, what are you waiting for? Get into old worlds? Not a constructive comment. Not a useful comment. You're projecting. You did well. You're projecting on everybody else. Can you imagine if I did that and just went out there and went, hey, I was able to keep all these guys. Everybody should be able to keep them. That's ridiculous. And let's not forget, there are kids in the hobby. I talk to a lot of kids. Now, disclaimer, for those of you that I've talked to, there's a couple really responsible young men and women out there. They're in, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15. They're dealing with spiders that are doing well with them. I'm not talking to you. Again, it comes down to the individual, but I would say most younger kids are not ready for old world species. Uh, some of them work with them with their parents around. They have a parent there, but that's not something I would trust my, I mean, I have a 10 year old right now. I wouldn't trust him with a, an old world species. When my other kids were younger, 10, 12, 13, 14, I would not, I would want to be there supervising. That's something to think about as well. Not everybody is an adult getting into this hobby. Not everybody has a background working. I love the people that are like, oh, I jumped right. I don't understand what the big issue is. I jumped right in. I was keeping these guys no problem. I mean, I kept venomous snakes for years. Well, now you've already got some experience not only keeping exotic pets, but exotic pets that could send you to the hospital or possibly the morgue. Obviously, the spiders aren't going to be that big of a deal. I've had folks come on and go, I keep a death stalker scorpion. Therefore, any you know, I should be able to keep these. Please keep in mind that scorpions are much easier to corral than spiders because they don't climb the glass. I always, people leave that one out a lot and it's, it's a huge, huge difference between the two of them because a spider, it goes right up the side of that enclosure. It's up your arm in a blink of an eye. If you have adequate, you know, depth to your enclosure with a scorpion, unless they can use their tail to boost themselves up and catch the edge, they're not going anywhere. So it's a lot easier to deal with. So things of that nature, let's always keep that in mind. Again, it always comes back to that, you know, golden rule, treat others as you'd like to, you know, have yourself treated. Don't criticize folks who like these lists. Don't jump on these lists and immediately take a huge steaming pile all over them because they're not your thing or you never needed them. That's great. You didn't need them. Other people do. I wish, you know, in the future, I hope more people, this is something I probably should do as a YouTube video, but it would just be, actually, maybe I'll post this one up someday, YouTube, just so people can hear my thoughts on it. I can tell you that I've done Let's see. I did the intermediate list, but I posted that as a podcast. I did two beginner species lists, most popular videos I've had up there by far. I'm not into views or anything, but it's just it, anytime my kids look up the numbers, they can tell you which ones of the top videos are. Those those beginner species lists are popular because there are people out there that they need that. They need something to work with. They need a framework, a scaffolding as they get into the hobby to make sure they feel confident and safe going through it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That shouldn't be ridiculed. That shouldn't be admonished or these people shouldn't be made fun of for it. That should be supported. People should be like, all right, good for you. You're doing, you realize that you're not where you need to be knowledge wise and you're trying to get more knowledge. And this helps give you a framework. I can't tell you how daunting the hobby can be. Cause I can remember, I can remember where I was sitting on the computer clear as day. It's kind of nice. I remember it because it obviously started all this, but when I turned to Billy, I'm like, Oh my God, this tarantula thing, Billy, there's so many of them. I can see myself having 30 or 40 of them. I can remember that moment where it was like, my Lord, they're not all just like beasting bites. There are old worlds. There are ones that need moisture. Like it blew my mind. There was so much information. Let's not rush people through that. If they want to start with a beginner species list that lays out not only animals that have good temperaments, in general, good temperaments, but ease of care, let them. And then again, the temperament thing, I say this in every single video, so people should know where I come from and that I'm always very cognizant and try to make people cognizant of this. Temperament may vary. I'll say it again. Temperament may vary from specimen to specimen. It means I may have the three most docile G. Polkropies on the planet. Somebody else may have one that is an absolute demon. And this works both ways. I think what happens is folks that are proponents of old worlds come in and go, well, I have a an OBT that I can handle. And I have a G. Polkropies that's an absolute hellion. 
that's great. That means that some, some of the old worlds can be docile. That's absolutely true. And some of the new worlds can be rather vicious. That's absolutely true as well. But please keep in mind, just because your OBT is docile, there are a lot of other people out there that would argue that theirs are not. So it does work both ways. And I do think, and I think that's where these lists really kind of tick people off, is the fact that I have right now an OBT that I could probably handle with no issues, no issues whatsoever. That's not normal. That's not the you know the norm. A lot of them are much more skittish, standoffish, or defensive. I have other New World species. My Behammeri. That was one I picked up years ago because it was supposedly one of the best, if not the best, beginner tarantula. At that point, I was thinking about handling. They're supposedly very tractable. I would not stick my hand in there with this one. It is wild. It is skittish. It will kick hairs not one that I would handle. So right there, it shows that as much as we can put them in groups, and I do think, again, it's a general consensus. I do think general consensus, the spiders that make it to the beginner list are ones that you have a better chance of getting a docile spider. The the more defensive old worlds, on the other hand, I think the majority of them, again, it's their defense mechanism. If they're spooked, they're going to be more likely to bolt or threat posture or strike. I think that's it. Are there exceptions to the rule? There are exceptions on both sides. So we can't really, I get, again, that makes these lists and why they should always be taken with a grain of salt. Why I always say ad nauseum, temperament may vary from species to species because as much as you may try, and somebody goes, they do the beginner list, they pick up a H. Tolensis, and they're like, man, I'm going to have the most docile spider ever. And they get one of the only H. Tolensis on the plant that threat poses and tries to strike. It can happen. However, this is the important part because all they've read about is how docile they are and how laid back they are. They're actually a little more forgiving of that behavior. I've heard it from people like, yeah, I got an, a Jeep. I, what is it? Jeep Polkra. And mine's actually a madman, but you know what? He's kind of cute and it doesn't really bother me. If you took that same scenario and changed that Jeep Polkra to an OBT, I guarantee the person's freaking out. Because now you've already got that stigma. You you know this thing. You're going in thinking this thing's going to be a wild man. So you're already jacked up. And that's going to create that fear. Now, I've heard people argue the other way. Well, you think you're getting a docile spider. You stick your hand in and it tags you because you weren't expecting it. That's a possibility too. So again, why temperament varies. But I think we can generalize in most instances. Yes, sure, people are going to have more laid back old worlds and new worlds. Absolutely. But we can't discount the fact that these lists do serve a purpose. They do help a lot of people out. And again, it all depends on what you come in with, what your attitude is coming in, how much research you've done, how much experience you've got, and just your overall ability to adapt to this new hobby. Some people do it earlier than others. Some people can jump right in the deep end and swim immediately. Some people jump in the deep end and start to drown. It's what makes us individuals. And we need to keep that in mind on both sides of this argument. So are lists useful? Yes, they are to many people. Just because it's not useful, they're not useful to you doesn't mean that they aren't helpful to other people. Do they always need to be taken with a grain of salt or do people reading lists have to understand what we just talked about today and that even the most docile spider can be give you trouble? Yes, they do. And that's part of the whole research thing that hopefully comes with people that are, anybody that's diligent enough to go through these lists and start making a list and research them is probably going to do okay in that respect. They're, start, they're going to start to realize that, hey, the temperament can vary and be in a much safer spot than if they just jumped in blind and grabbed the first spider that they saw that they liked. Because in most cases, I can tell you, it's going to be Pisolotherium Metallica and probably not the best beginner spider for most people. Okay, so again, I apologize for the 16-minute rant, but again, we gotta, I got to start giving thought to replacing that theme, and it's going to be weighing heavily on my mind, especially as this week wears on, and I get to the point where I want to post a video and I have no idea what to do for the theme music for it. So We'll see how it goes there, but thank you for listening to that. You guys were just my therapist. Billy just had to listen to me go off about it a while ago, and she's worried about the walk the dog. She's going to hear about it again because I tend to perseverate on this type of stuff. But hopefully the last part of this was informative. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully it'll change the minds of people out there that are listening to me. If you're listening to me and you consider yourself to be a fan, I hate using that word, of my work and what I do on the podcast and on the videos, then I would hope you're not one of these people, but I know sometimes it's tough to sit there and see a list that you think is absolutely ridiculous and useless and not not say something about it, but hopefully this will cause people to pause or at least be a little more constructive when trying to encourage folks to get into keeping the more difficult or the old world tarantulas. So that'll do it for this one. As always, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. Guys, stay safe and we'll catch you all next time.